we want to be our softest, most vulnerable selves and be accepted. And I think in relationships and on social media, like we don't necessarily have places in our lives to be that. So we do it with our dogs. But if I brought my softest self to my work life, no one would trust me. I don't have to always be hard. And I have posted some like really personal and emotional stuff on Instagram and like in my essays, but I'm like a full spectrum. Like if I was only bringing that, I wouldn't have credibility. And we expect our little angel dogs to trust us, even though we don't really give them a reason to. Like we think that it just should be part of the basic package. But my dog was dog reactive and had separation anxiety because she didn't trust me because I wasn't giving her a reason to. So I learned to set boundaries with her to just be like a little bit more regimented as we move through our life and like hold rules that like didn't really matter to me, but mattered in the life that I wanted to have with her. Welcome to Neurons to Nirvana, a platform for creative forces that embrace the unconventional and the quest for artistry, humanity, innovation, health, and healing of the mind and soul. Join me, Tom Hartridge, on a journey celebrating experiences unbound by physical borders or traditional norms. From inside the mind to the far reaches of the universe, this is Neurons to Nirvana. In 2015, I was living in Savannah, Georgia, and fate was kind enough to pair me with my dog, Rex. While I've never been married and don't have any children, as a single man, I'm proud to have trained and raised Rex, and many who know me understand the connection I've made with this amazing plot hound, which is the state dog of North Carolina. Our dogs are one of our most intimate relationships for many of us. I've shared my softest and most vulnerable self with Rex. In today's episode, Rex sits at the foot of dog trainer extraordinaire Allegra Ko, founder of the Naked Dog Training. Allegra shares her knowledge of how dogs need us to learn to regulate ourselves and provide safety and security through boundaries and consistency. Allegra shares her knowledge to help dog owners sustain healthy relationships with their dogs and offers some key takeaways on humanity and compassion along the way. If you are interested in learning more about Allegra's online training or board and train guides, visit her website, thenakeddogtraining.com, or please check out her social media sites, which are listed in the show notes for short tricks and tips from healthy dog play to safe leash walking. It is my pleasure to introduce Allegra of the Naked Dog. Allegra. How are you? Doing great. How are you? Good. Thank you so much for joining me, and I'm really excited to talk about uh, your business, your life's work and passion around dogs. My dog who's sitting right next to you, Rex, is my ride or die. He has been with me for seven years now, and uh, I don't know where I would be without him. Mm. I got him after my father died, and uh, he filled a huge void in my life because uh, my dad was my best friend. And I got him when he was nine weeks old, and uh, he's just uh, a nut. <laughs> he's just been, uh, for the most part, a wonderful Good boy. companion. So tell me, how long have you been working with dogs? I started in 2008, um, and I always say it was a complete accident. I was living with a boyfriend in Arizona, and his mom was a dog trainer. Mm -hmm. um, so I just learned from her and totally immersed myself in it. Um, and kind of came to and from for a few years, but started my business in 2013. Okay. You have trained roughly how many dogs, you think? A couple hundred, maybe okay. like or upwards of 200 probably. For people who are in the surrounding area, do you do anything virtually? I do most of what I'm doing now virtually. Okay. So I have a couple e-courses. I'm working on Excellent. a book. Yeah. That's awesome. So not so much in Austin anymore. Okay. Yeah. Well, then that being said, to all of my listeners who are dog owners or thinking about getting a dog, tell me about the process and how uh, 
you would train and meet with a potential client? What I'm doing now is more trying to share my ideas about dogs more so than working with clients one-on-one just because I have this kind of anxiety of like, I'm not doing enough. You know, like our perspective of dogs is so backwards. And, you know, I had my hiking pack at first. So for the first few years, I had a hiking pack that I would take out and I was like, okay, I'm helping these 13 dogs have literally the best life, but this isn't enough. So I started doing private trainings and group trainings and board and train. And again, that feeling of like, this isn't enough. So by making the e-courses and hopefully by getting people to read my book, um, and honestly, it's been really nice doing more on Instagram. And I feel like I've been getting amazing feedback from people who are like, you have changed my life with my dog, like just from following you. So it's like, that is so freaking amazing to hear from people. What is the name of your book? Um, I think it's probably just going to be The Naked Dog. Okay. I'm in the writing process Perfect. and, you know, why why mess with perfection? <laughs> <laughs> I have to bring up the fact that Kaylee with the podcast farm, he brought us together because he thought he has an amazing ability to read people. And um, <coughs> he just thought we would be a good fit. And do you remember our conversation at all? Uh-huh. We talked for about an hour and a half. Oh my God, we talked for like two hours. <laughs> yeah, it was great. And I want to cover some of that. Do you remember <laughs> Do you remember some of the things that we spoke mm-hmm. about in regards to um, dog's behavior and how we, you know, how it reflects sort of the, the owner themselves? Yeah. Uh, how we can dote on them, but maybe in the wrong way. You want yeah. to elaborate? Because I, I loved what the, some of the things that you said about that, and I felt we were very in line with that. Yeah, well, this was my experience with my own dog. I got my dog kind of like you at this pivotal turning point. It was actually when I was leaving Arizona and that boyfriend and coming back to my home in New York, like with my tail between my tags, legs a little bit. Yep. And um, I I had this dog and she really helped me make the bridge of being able to move home. I was recovering from PTSD at the time and I had been doing positive reinforcement training in Arizona. So I felt like I was just really in the like Disney movie cultural fantasy that we have of dogs, which is the thing that I'm trying to educate about so people can be aware of it. But I was like the best dog owner by every measure. Like I had my dog with me all the time. You know, I was giving her so much affection. I was exercising her all the time. Um, I was like so obsessed with her and her care. But at the time, I had no way of connecting that to her separation anxiety. And um Years later, I, you know, when she was like four, maybe in Austin, she got a dog bite right before this record breaking heat summer. And after that, developed fear based reactivity. And I was trying to manage it, but I wasn't exactly sure what to do. It seemed really unpredictable. And then when I started actually learning how to manage it, I learned how connected our relationship and the way that I saw her and the way that I was treating her was to her sense of safety in the world. And once I kind of reeled it in and, you know, like the three guidelines are be aware of how much you look at your dog, be aware of how much you talk to your dog and be aware of how much you touch your dog. And when I really pulled back and, and just started becoming aware of how much I was doing it and what her response was, which was stress a lot of the time. And by being less of a mom um, or treating her less like a you know stuffed animal or emotional support dog, I was able to be what she needed me to be versus using her for what I needed, which was company and love and emotional support and just somewhere, something to take care of. But I was like overwatering her and just learning what I learned, making the changes I made. Like that's everything that I mm-hmm. teach my clients now. Rex, I trained from, uh, like I said, nine weeks on and I did it myself. I didn't have any professional help. I just got a puppy training book and yeah. I was all in. He listens to me. We're in line. In fact, I feel as though we communicate 
in a way, like telepathically. Yeah. And I don't have to say things to him. Like we have eye contact and he knows what's going on. Where he is also good, particularly with you, obviously, is uh, he, he seems he's a good, fairly good listener taking. Uh, he can be a little bit mouthy at times, but <laughs> he seems to be in tune with his surroundings for the most part. Now, granted, like we were talking, what you mentioned, when you take, when you're hiking on trails, I used to, when I first moved here and I would take him to the green belts, he, uh, <laughs> he would, um, you know, he would get, when we first moved here, he would get super excited and want to talk to the other dogs. Mm -hmm. And some dog owners would take that as, an act of aggression. Like he would bark at them? Yes. Mm -hmm. But really what he was saying is, I want to talk to you. Mm, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've never seen him be aggressive towards another dog. Yeah. Well, let's not draw the line at aggression just because I feel like that's kind of a low bar. Like if I was at a bar with my friends and every fifth or sixth person that came in, I ran up to them screaming because I was mm -hmm. so excited to meet them. <laughs> like, you know, we're not like, well, like Allegra's not hitting them. You yeah. know, you'd be like, Allegra, like, you're freaking people out. Stop. True. So for me, like, if I'm getting, if it's not necessary and it's not, like, it's pro-social in the sense that he's excited, but, like, we don't really need to be that excited or we don't need to express it that way. And, like, it's, like, this is the mindset where we're mm -hmm. thinking, oh, like, well, that's just, like, how a dog is. But when kids are like that, we kind of are like, hey, like, actually, like, we don't do that because right. it doesn't work so well. Um, so it's interesting how people really selectively anthropomorphize dogs <laughs> because it's like, oh, dogs are people too. And I'm like, yo, if your friend did that at a bar, like you would never go out with them That's again. That's exactly right. Um, so, and then it's like, oh, well, my dog gets really jealous and possessive. And I'm like, if your partner was doing that, you would break up with them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, it's not a compliment. Exactly. All right. Well, so let's use that for an instance. Um, how could I correct that behavior? So um, if something is going wrong at all off leash, mm -hmm. back on leash. Mm -hmm. So just because it's really like you can't control them when they're far away. Um, so for me, if I'm noticing a trend, it's like, okay, let's just keep practicing greeting dogs on leash. And then the moment I see a dog, you know, it's like that telepathic shift. Like I'm going to change my posture and my body language. I'm mm -hmm. going to tighten my core and just be like, Hey, like something's happening. Right. So take an on the job posture, draw their attention back to me, give them a job, which is, Hey, let's come in a heel, focus on me just to like help them focus and down regulate instead of being in that like excited, impulsive, like just instinctual mindset. And then when we're able to pass calmly, I might say, okay, go say hi. And then from that mental space, they're going to be ready to have like a much calmer, um, easier greeting that the other dog is going to be more receptive to versus like they're off leash, they're running around, they're already excited, they see a dog, they're more excited, they get closer to the dog, more excited. So just really helping them like diffuse some of the excitement and then you can have a really calm thoughtful greeting where a dog is reading the other dog's energy body language and really seeing you know like at a bar if I want to talk to the person ordering a drink next to me I don't launch into my life story yeah. like I'm like hey and I see if they say hey back and then either they'll want to keep talking or they'll like greet me and turn away but if I'm not calm and thoughtful, I'm not going to notice, like, oh, hey, this person, like, is giving me the body language of, like, right. I'm not into this. So that's, like, teaching our dogs to be considerate should be where the bar is. Yeah. And then the one thing I, you have to share is talk about your five tips that you sent me. Yeah. So um, we were talking about how dogs can invite us to develop really important skills for our own life betterment. So how the skills that we need in dog training translate over to us having a better life. 
Um, so the first one was just kind of like I was saying with the uh, posture and energy mm-hmm. is somatic awareness and awareness of stress and tension. So, you know, that telepathic communication, right now I'm talking to him. So I am— But he's looking at me. <laughs> yeah, but like holding the leash, I don't want to be using the leash or using my right. mouth for everything. So I'm like, you know, kind of sitting upright, but I'm not like, hey, something's mm-hmm. about to happen. And I'm not like totally reclined and relaxed. Mm-hmm. So I'm, you know, lightly, you know, like like I look like I'm on the ball here, but also I'm relaxed, and yeah. he's relaxed. So yep. I'm letting him know, hey, I'm relaxed, you're relaxed, like appropriate assessment, loving this. And if he were to adjust and start doing something I didn't like, I would change my posture a little bit to say, hey, when you do that, it makes me tense up. So this is so important for us because most of us are constantly in low-grade stress and we yes. don't even notice yes. how tense we are and how hunched we are. And especially if we're having a problem with the dog when we're working with the dog. Like, you know, people, my clients, they would see another dog if their dog gets weird passing and immediately tense up. So that's like throwing oil on the fire. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, hey, this is a place where you have to be an actor. Like, I need for your body to tell a lie. And for me, like, I get nervous, too. Like, when I'm working with a dog-reactive dog and I see another dog, like, I get nervous because I'm a human and it's a natural response to be like, oh, hey, the dangerous thing is happening. So I just am really careful. I do a body scan. I relax my muscles. I say calm confidence is the energy that you need to have. I take some deep breaths, and when I'm in that place, my brain is actually better able to be present, handle the stimuli coming in, know how to adjust, versus if I'm tense, I'm more likely to revert to old patterns and behaviors, whereas if I'm um, calm, confident, right, like in my own thinking mind, it's a little bit easier to be better for my dog. So that somatic awareness, like I notice it when I'm having hard conversations with people, I do a scan and I'm like, oh, I'm in like fighting posture. (laughs) So I'm just like, hold on, hold on. (sighs) You know, and I will adjust down to the posture that I want to be speaking from. So we really do our dogs a disservice by not showing them, hey, I'm the boss. So I like to say you need to demonstrate to your dog that you can stand up for your dog. So you need to stand up to them sometimes and be like, dude, I will kick your booty if you don't stop doing that. And usually just like the threat is enough. Like you don't actually have to Mm -hmm. kick a booty. Well, what about um, training a dog to you know, if they're having issues with uh, potty training them, per se, if they're not, the dog still doesn't make the connection, okay, I shouldn't be. I know that dogs, if they've, if they've peed, uh, like, in a certain spot, mm-hmm. then even if they'll come back to that spot and do it again. Yeah, absolutely. Like, the same way we know the bathroom is the room with the tile, they know by smell. Um, but I say potty training is like 100% on the owner. Absolutely. Like 100% if your dog, and this is just a place where we want our dogs to come like pre-programmed and people don't realize the amount of work that goes into training a dog and how much time and effort it does take to house train. So like same as put your dog back on the leash, like yes. they're either your dog is in the crate on a leash, tethered to a piece of furniture, or you're taking them outside and just really not letting a dog have freedom until you're in a good system. And even so, like people expect their dogs to cue them to go outside. Like I never did that. Like my dog was going out every few hours, just kind of at any transition point when she woke up from a nap, like, mm-hmm. you know, when we, like, I'm just constantly, hey, like this seems like a good amount of time versus like, I'm not going to wait until she absolutely has to go. Because if I miss her cue, and a lot of us do, we're on our phones all the time, we're on our computers, we're watching TV, like your dog communicates subtly. So if you're missing that when it's a like Hail Mary cue, like they got to go. So it's really, you know, it's either they shouldn't have as much freedom as they have or... We just need to be a little bit more proactive because everyone wants their dog to let them know. I'm like, why are you waiting that long? Like, you know, every like 
three to six hours, like be going out. Yeah, absolutely. But I do, like I said, I, I mean, call me crazy, but Rex and I, he can look at me and I know he needs to go. And Yes, right? Like, it's possible. I just wouldn't count Absolutely. on, like, every dog, every time. Like, it's just part of my routine to be taking him out. And, like, that being said, I had a little dachshund, and she definitely had, like, that was, like, one of her issues of, like, you know, some, sometimes she would, like, aggressively pee if she was pissed about something. He's in tune with me. Like, he's coming and checking on me. It's really weird. I don't know how to explain it. Maybe you can. But he has an idea or a sense knowing that he sees me at ease, but he wants to come in and check and and he comes and sits next to me. It's really a beautiful thing. And we're, we just sit there and look at the stars, but he mm-hmm. always wants to be, both he and Rocky want to be by our sides. And uh, it's during those moments where I uh, am very appreciative of his companionship. Yeah, I think they notice something's off. Yeah. You know, so they're just like, you're being pretty weird. (laughs) And like, you know, like you're his ride. Like you're the one who feeds him. You're the one who lets him out. So if anything happens to you, like it's a big problem for him. So, you know, they're just like, you cool, man. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. (laughs) I can't count on you (laughs) for the food. Absolutely. Um, So, I mean, I'm, I don't know if it's pessimistic, but my take on dogs is like, a little bit like less romantic, um, yes. you know, and just in terms of like they're self-interested just like us. And a lot of what we perceive to be emotional isn't always. Um, like I find sense. dogs to be very manipulative. And people <laughs> hate when I say that. They hate I it. They want, true. they want dogs to be little angels. But here's my point to that about unconditional love. I'm like, can you love your dog even if they are manipulative and sometimes they are a jerk and like they are inconsiderate, like under the umbrella of unconditional love, like do they have to be angels or can they be complex and sassy and self-interested and like I I loved that about my dog. Like in a way when I started doing that training, um, like thinking back, like at a time she was a huge disappointment to me. Because I wanted a dog that would be more cuddly. I wanted a dog that would be, um, you know, just a little bit more uh, compliant, perhaps. And she was, like, super sassy, super independent. Um, You know, she would really make me, like, fight her for it. And I would give her a command. She would look around be like, do I agree that's the best course (laughs) of action? And sometimes I would see her, like— you know, like the little angel and devil on the shoulder. Like I would tell her to do something. She would look at me. She would do the thing she wanted to do. But then I loved that about her. Like I would be laughing as I'd be correcting her and being like, come on, dude, like we have to do it my way. Mm -hmm. Um, And for me, learning to love her as she was and learning like she doesn't like to be like picked up and held. And like I have pictures of me trying to kiss her and her like turning away. Like she didn't <laughs> like it. Right. So I really tried like in holding myself back from doing the things that she didn't like, I felt the most loving to her and like honoring of who she actually was. And like by restraining those urges, like I was doing such a service for her. So that to me was like a next level love that I wasn't getting access to when I was, I call it the cotton candy layer, which is where most owners and dogs are. Like they just are feeling good, feeling good, feeling good. But like you eat too much candy, you're going to get a tummy. (laughs) And everyone wants the parts that feel really good and the cuddling and the like, this is my best friend, but they don't get the nutrition. They don't have the foundation. So people call me, they're like, well, my walks are a mess or my dog pulls or he's reactive. And and I'm like, we can't just fix what you consider to be the problem. Like we have to go to the root of the problem, which is how your dog sees you, how they feel in the world, you know, how you see them. Like, do you actually see whether they want what's happening or not? And those things are are where I always need to start. Like, I'll never address a client's primary complaint right. in the first session. I'm like, that's, I'm like, you don't know this, but like, that's not your problem. That's like a <laughs> symptom of the symptom of the problem. What percentage of dog owners do you think are actually in tune with their dogs? Maybe like 30. Yeah. Um, it's just gotten worse and worse. 
And like we're seeing more separation anxiety than ever, more aggression and leash reactivity than ever. And it's because people are running around with dogs that are overstimulated. Um, the play is really rough and really like antisocial. And the more people see it, the more they think it's normal. And like even a dog jumping on you when someone comes over to the house, dogs dragging you on walks, like we're seeing this everywhere. And the stuff people share on Instagram, like I'm just keep resharing it. And I'm like, this isn't normal. This isn't normal. So the more people think that's normal, if your dog is that overstimulated, like you're not actually having a relationship. Like there's no brain there. They're pure instinct. And that's what I love about you is you're so, you're very direct as I can be. And you don't sugarcoat anything on social media. Like you will tell them how it is, which is good because yeah. they need to know that that's not, that's not typically the, the right way to go about it. Please wait until your old dog dies before you get a new puppy. I am so tired of hearing about people who have senior dogs who get puppies. This is one of the most uncool, unloving things that you can do. If your dog is kind of, you know, in middle age, you maybe they're four, maybe they're seven, you want to get a puppy to like keep them young, that's fine. Totally fine, understandable, relay the dog. But if you let your older dog get into their golden years, you start to see them decline and you think to yourself, you know, it's going to be really sad when they die. Why don't I get a puppy so I'm less sad? You just ruined their retirement. I hear this all the time. The older dogs are miserable. It was selfish. You need to keep that puppy away from your senior dog. And you really need to think about what love is. It's so sad that the videos of dogs behaving badly will get like you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of likes and shares and, and comments. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. like, I'm putting out like educational content and it's just never going to get, cause like to me, like this is a good dog, right? Like he's sitting, he's chilling, mm -hmm. there's slack in the leash. He's not mm -hmm. whining. So this is boring. Like this isn't <laughs> cute. People want to see an overly excited dog. And to me, I wonder if this is an expression of how like repressed we feel that we can't like run around being so excited. Like I grew up in New York, so it like wasn't mm -hmm. cool to be enthusiastic about anything. <laughs> um, so I just wonder if it's like wish fulfillment. Like we want to feel that excited. So we egg our dogs on. But then when what you encourage is an excited mindset, it's like a hair trigger to be overexcited. And it's like when you say to kids, like, you guys better calm down before someone loses an eye. Just because <laughs> when you're that revved up, like, you're going to make a weird choice and someone's yeah. going to get hurt. And that's where we like our dogs, to be that revved up. So that's what gets attention. Like, dogs being bad, essentially. And it's so stressful and it's so sad because I'm like, this is dog abuse. Yes, it is. It really is. And do you think it's exacerbated due to the pandemic because we were all out of whack? At the yeah, I think people really did. It it just um, amplified a trend mm -hmm. um, because we were already using dogs as our yeah. social life. Um, and as our emotional support. And, you know, it's really easy to have a fantasy relationship with a dog because they can't talk. And we, like, stubbornly misunderstand and misinterpret them. And to be fair, like, I always remind people, I studied dog training before I learned any of this. Like, I was a dog trainer for years before I learned any of this. But it's just so easy for us to interpret their actions as wishful thinking, like, in whatever way we want. It's a lot easier than human relationships. So people were using dogs as a substitute, but not really understanding them. Like the first thing I talk about in my training sessions, I'm like, nice to meet you. Let's talk about the miscommunications between dogs and humans because we are just totally not having the same conversation. What I'm seeing is everyone's exhausted and there's so much being asked of them in their lives and we don't have a place to really like let down and so what we bring to our dogs is over-permissiveness. We really feed on their excitement and their, like, 
you know, like we just interpret it as unconditional love, but mm-hmm. like I'm like like it is, but it isn't, yes. you know. And we want to be our softest, most vulnerable selves and be accepted. And I think in relationships and on social media, like we don't necessarily have places in our lives to be that. So we do it with our dogs. But if I brought my softest self to my work life, no one would trust me. I don't have to always be hard. And I have posted some like really personal and emotional stuff on Instagram and like in my essays, but I'm like a full spectrum. Like if I was only bringing that, I wouldn't have credibility. True. And we expect our little angel dogs to trust us, even though we don't really give them a reason to. Like we think that it just should be part of the basic package. But my dog was dog reactive and had separation anxiety because she didn't trust me because I wasn't giving her a reason to. So I learned to set boundaries with her to just be like a little bit more regimented as we move through our life and like hold rules that like didn't really matter to me, but mattered in the life that I wanted to have with her. I learned to emotionally and physically separate so she could have an independently regulated nervous system. And this is a big one. We love that our dogs regulate on us, like literally on us. But then when they're overly excited, when they're off leash, when they're away from us, they can't regulate on their own because we didn't insist that they that they learn. Yeah. So I like to say if your kid is 40 and they're still living with you, like you're not a good parent, you're a bad parent. <laughs> so if your dog can't regulate, if they're not up against you, like they're mooching on your nervous system. So That's creating true. that physical space and letting our language be more subtle to where I could just say, ah, you know, you're okay from here. Um So these are all things. And the other thing that made a huge difference was stepping in socially. So if she was ever uncomfortable during an interaction with another dog, I was stepping in, snapping, moving towards, getting the other dog's attention. Like I would just act like I wanted to say hi to it and it would look up at me and then she would scurry away. Mm-hmm. So by paying attention and stepping in for her, right? So he <laughs> so she didn't have to tell the other dog back off when it was right. ignoring her light cues. And here's the thing. We love when a dog gives us attention, so we reward every time they come up to us, and we never say, back off. Like here, I'm asking him to not sit or lean on me. Um, So when we are universally receptive to our dog approaching us, then when a dog approaches a person who doesn't want to say hi or another dog who is, you know, not wanting to interact with them, they literally don't know what's happening, and they don't have the ability to reroute And to be like, oh, hey, like, I don't think you're into this. And just be like, okay, whatever. Like, you know, I'm not your cup of tea. They just kind of force it because they're like, what do you mean? Like, I'm Rex. Everyone always wants to say hi to me. And they just don't have a frame of reference for, like, they're not into it. So with my dog, I wouldn't accept every bid for attention. Mm -hmm. She would make a bid, and I'd be like, okay, give me a minute. And then she would go lay down, and I'd say, okay, let's go now. So we are like trying to be nice, but a lot of what we do is a huge disservice to their social life. Like you said, you, you've been doing this for a long time, even before you uh, started your business. Do you think social media, like let's think back before yes. Facebook. Let's, let's go back to the yeah. early 2000s or prior. How badly do you think that that's exacerbated uh, dogs' behavior because of the way we're projecting them in social media? In the 90s, I got to say, I I was not paying attention to dogs. (laughs) Um, It was was really just when I started learning training that I took an interest. Um, But I can say, even just in the years that I've been doing this, almost 10 years, damn. Mm -hmm. Um, It's definitely gotten worse and worse and worse. And it's just this like mad dash for likes and people just so severely misunderstanding dogs. Mm -hmm. And yes, it's just getting worse and worse and worse. And, you know, these memes going around, it's like, oh, like, when was the last time you didn't jump on someone? And like, when was the last (laughs) time you peed without your dog busting Uh, into the bathroom? And what was the one recently? 
uh, like it's just so many where it's essentially people bragging about like how bad their dog is and everyone loves it. They're like, ha ha ha. And I don't understand. To it me, has it's to be maddening abuse. for you. It's really like once I start explaining to people when I'm in public, like what I'm seeing. Yeah. They're like, oh my God, it must be terrible for you to go outside. I'm like, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of terrible. Like anytime we had to move a few weeks ago, we were sitting on a patio and the dog was so annoying and the owners were managing it so badly. But I was like, we need to go to sit yeah. somewhere else. I generally try to not give unsolicited advice. Um, but then I I hold my own boundaries. Like I had my friend's dog at um uh, little Darlin, which is like mm-hmm. big patio. And I was at the end of a picnic table. There was people standing on either side. And this guy had his dog. And he's like, oh, can my dog say hi? But it was this tiny little space. And I was like, no, like there's not enough room here. Like, and how, where, did he take how could that? my dog back up? He was confused. Yeah. But I tried to explain a little bit. I'm like, oh, like my dog has no room to back up. So no, it's too tight. And he was like, what? Like, they never thought of. I'm like, yeah, like, if my dog isn't into this, he needs to be able to reverse. So people are confused and, like, they generally think I'm, like, uptight, you know? Rex. Rex, come here, bud. Yeah, but that's okay. Like, I'm willing for people to not like me so I can advocate for dogs. And I do try to educate. And, you know, I don't really care if people like me or not. Like, I have enough people who like me. So, like, I'm willing to have a moment with someone that hopefully makes them think. And what's your take on, for instance, Austin is growing exponentially, like booming. And now we have a shortage of housing and we have people who are living in high rises with dogs. What are oh your gosh, thoughts? It's so wild. Well, it was like that even before. Yes. Where in a high rise near Seaholm, there was only like three apartments that didn't have dogs. And it is such a bad fit for super high energy breeds. And and it depends, right? Like if you have a border collie or a cattle dog, Australian Shepherd, and you run them like four hours a day, like that's all right. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, Unless the owner is going hiking every single day, going on super long walks or runs, like every single day, twice a day, like, you know, like you really, really, really need to work to balance it. Elevators are really difficult for most dogs, especially modern dogs that are over babied and either are uh, dog reactive because they feel they need to protect the owners or they're um, anxious because they weren't socialized or they're overly excited Mm -hmm. and they like can't contain themselves in a space with a dog because like they just immediately want to play with the dog. Elevators are a mess. Yes, they are. It's a mess and it's really just the blind leading the blind. Like I joined some dog Facebook groups and I had to exit all of them. Like the (laughs) advice people were giving each other was horribly wrong, horribly wrong. Yeah. And it's just baffling to me how um, clueless people are about it. Yeah. Well, we like love dogs so much and we share our homes and our lives with them and we literally don't know anything about them. Like it is so much projection And it makes me sad because I'm like, you guys are missing out on the gift of dogs, Mm -hmm. which, um, you know, it's to be present with them and to be with this animal and the truth of an animal. And we're dressing them up, like literally dressing them (laughs) up. And they've just turned into like the court jester of modern society. Like luckily this year, I did not see dogs in distress. Here, I'll take them back. I didn't see dogs in distress in Halloween costumes. And like, that was great. But I'm like, the sad part is that we have gotten them so used to being dressed up um, (laughs) that they like don't mind and don't notice anymore. Right. Um, Which is good, like that they're acclimated to it. But also, you know, like my dog really hated it. Like I did her the favor of not dressing her up. Yeah. Um, So... So we're not really appreciating them as dogs. We're appreciating them as like comedic props in our lives. We only covered one of your tips. Would you mind sharing the other four? Yeah, um, I'll have to take a peek here. So the first one was somatic awareness, learning to be in a neutral state to communicate your, to your dog. Like it's it's all good. 
And for us, just what we get from having that somatic awareness so we can tell when we're tense. Mm -hmm. Um, The other thing that has been so helpful to me in my work with dogs, which I tell all of my clients, is visualization. Yes. I always have a plan. Like if I were to stand up and move to the other side of the yard before I stood up, I would be like, okay, I'm going to change my posture. I'm going to touch, touch on the leash. I'm going to use my right hand to guide him to make a short turn and I'll go around him. I'm going to give a little touch so he doesn't jump down the step before I do. So having a plan in place for me is why I'm so successful Mm -hmm. because I don't really like wing it at any point. So it's become second nature for me to move through my life with my dog like that. But just encouraging people to think through a plan first and here. So he's sitting on my heel. (laughs) So I'm just going to make it uncomfortable and we'll see, like he'll decide to move eventually. Um, And this is just to say, hey, dude, like pick another spot. And it's interesting because they know where their booty is going. They know where their feet are going. And it's almost like a little test that they do to see like, oh, like, can I walk all over you? So I build my integrity with the dog when I'm like, hey, like, I'm not going to let you sit on me. um, But thank you for the offer. Mm hmm. Um, so yeah, visualization, so important, such a great skill to just run through your plan right before you do it. And this has helped me in life as well, because we just get to relax and you can even build muscle memory Mm -hmm. working with visualization. Yeah. Um, I mentioned this one, but having a physiological go-to to fake confidence in stressful situations And putting our body in a posture that is the way we want to feel, like, it works. It really does work. So if I can learn to keep my cool in the midst of stress, um, and this is something that I developed with horses, because if a horse is getting scared, getting upset, like you can't scream scream and get tight, you know, like that's only going to make it worse. Mm -hmm. So with animals too, like I kind of go into this really zen space when things are going wrong um, and it's extreme presence. So that is an interesting, you know, kind of unexpected tool of dog training for me being in nature was one of the most important parts of my relationship with my dog. I started my hiking pack after I got her because I was taking her hiking every day just to be a good dog owner. And then my friends weren't getting their dogs out enough. So I would go and pick up their dogs and take them. And then someone was like, hey, like you could be getting paid to do this. So I ended up having four employees at one point, and we were taking out these big packs of seven to 20 dogs all off leash. Yeah, (laughs) it was amazing. But I will say, like, I hiked every single day Mm -hmm. for seven years, and seeing the trails change with the seasons— just breathing the fresh air, being away from the sounds of traffic and being present with animals because you have to be super tuned in. What's going on around the trail? Where are all the dogs in your pack? Who might be hunting what? You know, where is everyone's attention? So being in nature with my dog was like one of the best gifts that she gave me. And I think a lot of us will revert to walks around the block because it's easy. And I tell people, I'm like, hop in your car and just drive three minutes to a different neighborhood. But for me, I just would go to my map. I would pull up the map, find a lot of green and go walk there. And it was incredible. Like I'm hiking my dog five days a week and she was a 13-year-old dachshund. Mm -hmm. And I was hiking her all the time. And It's just the basic. Like, my roommate was the one who pointed out to me a few years ago. She was like, the number one thing that you say to your clients on the phone is, how much do you exercise your dog? And I would say 90% of dogs are not getting enough exercise because we're fitting their exercise schedule to what our schedule will allow and not what their body needs. And I tell people, I'm like, training is not going to solve your problem. Like, training will help, but your dog is still going to need two hours of exercise a day 
no matter the training you do. Like if you're not draining their energy, Mm -hmm. they're going to be naughty and it's not their fault. Like you can't ask a seven-year-old to do math, English, science all day and never give them lunch, never give them recess, never give them gym, never give them art. Like they're going to get fried and then they're going to start acting out in class because like they have the energy. So yeah, just getting out in nature, it's the minimum of dog ownership. Like taking them out, draining their energy to the point of exhaustion. Like I want to see my dog laying flat on their side, not curled into a ball. I want them knocked out. Like to me, I'm getting my dog activity out of the house and in the house. Like I just want them sleeping. Like all the like cute stuff dogs are doing. I'm like, your dog is not getting enough exercise. If they're like jumping on your furniture, like, like they just need more exercise. Did you get to all five? Well, the last one, yeah, the last one was um, presence. Okay. And this is another one that people really miss out on. Like when my dog died, one of my regrets was that I was on my phone so much around her. You know, like I would be listening to a podcast or catching up with a friend or texting or looking at Instagram on one of our walks. I mean, a lot of the walks. And, And I see people all the time walking their dog with their phone out and... Their walk, like, that's, like, the big event in their day. And we love our dogs. We love our dogs. But, like, we're missing it. Like, we're Mm -hmm. literally not there for it. Our mind is somewhere else. And the gift that they have to give us is just being really present in the world and watching them appreciate through their senses the natural world. And we are totally tuned out. And then I think as well when we have that commitment to a fantasy of our dogs to the point where we don't get to see who our dogs are. We're not being present with the truth of them. So the presence that it requires for me to, like I always like to say, I always have 10% of my attention on my dog. A lot of people put 100% of their attention on their dog 20% of the time. Whereas for me, I just have a constant 10%. Like I'm always paying attention to what position are they in? Where's their focus? What's their energy like? And for me, I'm always paying attention to not having pressure in the leash. So constantly tuned into them. And it's a beautiful thing because you're focused on something outside of yourself. And I think a lot of us can really just get into our own head and spin And to put your focus outside of yourself on this creature that needs you to be showing up in the present moment, seeing them as they are, not seeing, oh, like, I think that my dog's fine with this. Like, I need to be there and be like, oh, surprise. Like, he is actually not fine. Like, let me readjust. So that's a gift that our dogs can lead us into presence if we let them. But Mm -hmm. a lot of us are kind of missing that invitation. I want to give you the last comment or like to the audience, uh, you know, about your business and, and so forth. Uh, obviously, we'll include everything in the show notes, but uh, floor is yours. Cool. Um, well, what I would say about my business, the Naked Dog has definitely been through a lot of evolutions, um, going from hiking to training and now really working on getting my philosophy about dogs out to a wider audience. And what I want to share with people is what I've learned about dogs, which is how to understand them as the animal and the species that they are and how when we see them as they are, we really have to work through some of our stuff. And I brought a lot of stuff to my relationship with my dog and I just thought, She was going to fix me and she was going to heal me in these ways where I had holes. But once I realized the effect that was having on her, I finally felt motivated to do that work on myself. And it was work that I knew I had to do, but I was putting off. So I did it for her sake. So like that thing of like, who rescued who? (laughs) Well, it's like, you know what? I rescued myself for the sake of my dog. So I could really show up for her and I want to give people the tools to understand their dog. And I want to share some of the tools that I use, like working through my shit to get to a place where I could really feel good and have a good life and not try to be regulating myself 
on my pet, which a lot of us do. Like that's kind of the package that's sold to us. Um, like emotional support animals, you know, they're like here, like he'll support you. And we're just driving a lot of our dogs insane. So it makes me ask the question, <laughs> what is love? Is love where I love you the way that it feels good for me to love you? Or is love where I love you the way that you feel best being loved? And that's what I want for dogs. I want people to get to that level of love. And people too, let's be honest. I feel like people say, I love my dog, period. But I'm like, no, no, no. Like, <laughs> have it be, I love my dog. And then once you tap into love, like, just have it be, I love and yeah. then take that feeling and hold it in your heart. Like when you're interacting with strangers, when you're interacting with friends, like let the love you have for your dog, like open your heart to humans. Cause I'm really sorry, but like that's where the nutrition is. That's where the healing is. Our dogs can help us along the way, but we want dogs to be the final destination. And I think they're here to be our teachers and they're here to give us a safe place to learn and practice love. But we got to bring it into our human relationships. And I know it's hard and complicated. And like, I wish that there was another way. Yeah, <laughs> like, of I tried. Absolutely. But, um, but yeah, really letting our dogs teach us to love so we can bring that forward. Um, and not have it be an escape from life, but have it be an invitation deeper in. I love that. Thanks. I truly do. Thanks. Well, listen, Allegra, I can't thank you enough. It's, Aww, it's so been wonderful. To be here. Yep. And uh, thank you again. Well, thank you. I love how Allegra speaks candidly about dogs and their needs. She touches on one of the most essential characteristics of a healthy, non toxic relationship the need to set and respect boundaries. There's much to learn about ourselves, our temperament, and humanity through our relationship with dogs. I don't know where I would be without my dog, Rex. After sitting down with Allegra, she helped to remind me that Rex also looks for me for safety and protection, and as a dog owner, I owe him that security. You'll see in the video a leash that Allegra has around Rex's neck. This leash is one of Allegra's signature training tools. She was kind enough to gift Rex this leash, and it is very effective. You can visit thenakeddogtraining.com to access her training programs and learn how to buy and use the leash and other tools and techniques. We have more great episodes coming out for the rest of the year with discovery on music, information on alternative healing modalities, and a few surprises along the way. As always, thank you for listening. Until next time, I'm Tom Hartridge, and this is Neurons to Nirvana. Nirvana.